1: Michigan Talk Network Radio Junkies. Wow, what a week it has been in the state capitol. Thursday, following a more than 12-hour session, the State House of Representatives passed a bill that would allow auto insurance customers to choose a range of personal injury coverage from the current unlimited to none and provide a related cut in their rates for that portion of their coverage. And that speedy move, came about 36 hours after the Senate had pulled the same feet, unveiling a bill and moving it through the chamber in a single day. In the House's case, it didn't even put the bill through a committee, which provoked outrage from minority House Democrats. Uh, The House version of the bill uh, went a little bit farther in some respects than the Senate bill. The House bill would provide five tiers of personal injury protection, in other words, choice for auto insurance rate payers, meaning drivers, with rates for that coverage cut 10% for the current unlimited, 30% for a $500,000 cap, 60% cut for a $250,000 cap and 80% for a $50,000 cap and 100, 100% for opting out of personal injury protection altogether. Uh, these rate cuts would have to remain in place for five years, according to the House version. Now, there are these two separate versions that passed very quickly, and differences between the two versions are going to have to be ironed out. And meanwhile, Governor Gretchen Whitmer has said she will probably veto either one of these if they reach her desk in their present form. She's been pretty quiet about auto insurance rate reform up to this point, but she's been very vocal about Fix the Damn Roads, saying, I want the money that I called for in my campaign for governor to fix the damn roads If it has to be tied to the budget or tied to auto insurance rate reform for me to get it, that is what I'm going to insist upon. So it's setting up a showdown between uh, Whitmer and the Republican-led legislature, and whether that's just days away uh, or whether it's going to be sometime off in the future, we can't be sure because— Probably the House and Senate majority Republicans are going to uh, try to resist uh, coupling what they're trying to do with auto insurance rate reform, which we got to be very clear about. This is a big achievement, what they've just done the first time in nearly 40 years uh, that the legislature has gotten this far with an auto insurance rate reform bill. They don't want to couple this with the budget or with fix the damn roads, uh, whereas the governor plainly does, and she's looking for some kind of grand bargain, it looks like, where all these goals will be met simultaneously. And everybody, maybe, uh, she is saying or implying, will go home cheering and claiming, uh kumbaya, we all work together, we got it done, we're all heroes, we all deserve the credit. That's what she wants. Republicans don't seem to be too interested in that because seemingly the price they would have to pay is to come up with votes that calls for up to a $0.45 per gallon increase in the state gas tax. So uh, hold your hats, folks. Uh, We're in for a bumpy ride ahead in the next few weeks. Now, there were a couple of other things that happened this week that were interesting, too, because despite the acrimony between the governor on the one hand and majority Republicans on the other, with the House and Senate Democrats pitching in, uh, nipping at the Republicans' heels from the governor's perspective, there was some working across the aisle uh, to get a good deal on another piece of legislation, uh, which would. Um, uh, finally, uh, grant reform of the civil asset forfeiture system, which we've talked about on this program before and which has been in news coverage during the first four months of this year. Uh, this is uh, bipartisan civil asset forfeiture reform, uh, which would, uh, require law enforcement to return seized property to individuals if they are not charged with a crime. And the sponsor of one of the bills, who's been a guest on this program, State Representative David Legrand, Democrat of Grand Rapids, issued the following statement, I'm quoting him here, when we put people before politics, we can achieve great things. And this package is an excellent example. This plan allows police to continue to pursue large criminal organizations while making sure innocent people have full access to due process and the justice they deserve. I've been working on this issue for years, and I am happy that all of our hard work on behalf of Michiganers has finally come to pass. Uh, that's the good news. Um, but over in the House, when it comes to auto insurance rate reform, the House Democratic leader was so angry at the way things proceeded apace there with no committee hearing at all on the bill that the House Republican majority took up to reform auto insurance rates that she said in a floor speech that the Speaker of the House, Lee Chatfield, a Republican of Levering, had looked her right in the eye and lied Uh, She said uh, in a press release and in a statement uh, that, quote, instead of working across the aisle to get the best deal for drivers, House Republicans rushed through a bill in the dark of night that only lowers costs for five years before insurance companies can once again jack up drivers' rates. That is wrong, and Michiganders deserve better than another insurance industry handout. Let's throw in something else here that is not related to either civil asset forfeiture or auto insurance rate reform, and that is the uh, legislature, in a unanimous vote—this is something you don't often uh, see—no dissenting votes, every Democrat and every Republican in both the House and Senate voted for this, sent a bill with $10 million to the governor to sign— to aid wrongly convicted people. Now, the governor, believe it or not, has indicated she might veto this. Now, why is that? Uh, Does she want a headline to appear in the papers, Governor Denies Aid to Wrongly Convicted Felons? Uh, I don't think so. But she's playing some inside baseball here. She doesn't want this bill coming to her Uh, in a freestanding state. uh, She wants it as part of a supplemental where there's some other things that she wants to tie together uh, with the legislature. Now, somebody's going to have to blink here. Either the governor's going to have to, even if she doesn't want to, sign the bill to avoid the headline I just described, or she's going to have to veto it and see that headline, or Uh, Maybe she can work something out with the legislature where they ask for the bill back and they fold the $10 million to the wrongly convicted into this supplemental bill that Governor Whitmer insists uh, she wants it to be part of. So there's a lot going on, folks, and it's all kind of yoked together. Uh, It's pretty clear that the governor wants— Uh, what I would call a grand bargain of some sort to emerge whether it's quickly and it won't be quickly I can guarantee that uh, on auto insurance rate reform fix the damn roads and maybe throw in a few other things like 10 million dollars for wrongly convicted people we'll be back in a minute with our first guest Uh, we got a lot to talk about today stay tuned
0: This is MTN, and you're listening to The Political Insider with Bill Ballinger. Here's Bill.
1: We have returned. We've got an exciting new guest, Senator Lana Tice, Republican of Brighton. Uh, She is chairman, if I've got my information correctly, of two standing Senate committees, insurance and banking, on the one hand. And also education and career readiness, and I think she serves on five others. She represents the twenty second Senate District, which is all of Livingston County, I believe, and most of western and northern Washington County. Is that correct, Senator Lana that is, Tice? That is correct. Very much so. Well, thanks. Good morning. Good morning, and thanks for being with us. Look, um, I've kind of described at the beginning of the program uh, as quickly as I could. And it was tough. Uh, What happened this week and these two different versions of auto insurance rate reform that passed the Senate first, um, where you were chair of a very uh, crucial committee, insurance and banking. And you were really uh, in a pivotal role uh, during the first four months of the year on this. Uh, And uh, then the House uh, passed their version of the bill. And now It's apparently headed for some kind of a conference or resolution of differences between the two versions. And maybe you can straighten that out, whether these are two different bills or whether the House passed an amended version of the Senate bill. And the governor issuing uh, guarded threats to veto either one of these bills if they get to her desk in the present state. How do you read things right now?
2: Well, that's a pretty broad launching pad, so let's start at the beginning with that. Uh, The Senate had their own version of the bill, and yes, we took four months of testimony on the issues associated with the bill, so for the folks who claim that we didn't, that this was pushed through, no. Uh, Actually, we've been discussing the issues associated with auto no-fault for literally decades, and we've known that there were significant problems with it for literally decades. So the, the the Senate passed their version out, um, and that was SB1. The House had a completely separate bill, but they started with the baseline. They, they blanked it out and started with the baseline of the Senate bill that was SB1, and then they added their own subtle differences to it. And so what we're going to be doing next is taking a look at it. We're going to look at identify the subtle differences between the two. We're going to work to reconcile them, and that's that's ongoing right now. We're working to make sure that we're going to be uh, moving forward with a very strong bill that looks to reconcile these differences. Our primary focus, both houses have agreed on this, that what we want is a very competitive insurance market. We want significant savings for Michigan's drivers, everybody that walks outside the door. I'm not even sure you have to knock on a door to hear people screaming for savings in the insurance market. Everybody wants that. We all know that that's what we need. Uh, And all we can do is put a solution on her desk. What she chooses, what our governor chooses to do with that is, is, is obviously entirely up to her. But it is incumbent on the legislature to come up with solutions. That's our job. And so we have worked our tails off to come up with those solutions the governor had initially told us what she wanted those solutions to be. My understanding is we've given those to her. I, again, we are working to uh, reconcile the subtle differences between the two. We're going to put a solid solution on her desk. And we're going to do that within days, not weeks.
1: So you think this might actually happen, let's say, even by the end of next week, this whole thing might be done, a bow on it, and it's on the governor's desk, whatever she decides to do?
2: I have been told by my leadership that we're doing it within days, not weeks. Now, how many days that is, I can't tell you, um, but that's what I've been told, days, not weeks.
1: Well, are you planning to bring the governor herself and or her administration into the talks uh, between the House and Senate trying to resolve this issue, or are you just going to do it between yourselves and the House and Senate and not include the governor?
2: been invited from the very beginning to be a part of every discussion. She's never been excluded in this.
1: She's been pretty quiet, really, on auto insurance rate reform from the very beginning of her tenure here as governor, the first four months. And now all of a sudden, she's saying that uh, we've got a corrupt system of auto insurance uh, rating in Michigan, and uh, she's not happy with the versions both House and Senate, that you're considering now. It's kind of amazing to me. It's like, as you say, you try to meet her supposed demands, even though they are late blooming, and it's like she's kind of moving the goalposts all the time, uh, claiming that the lower costs are not guaranteed, uh, you know, maybe catastrophic care coverage isn't going to be protected, Uh Medical costs are not going to be reduced sufficiently. It's not going to reduce lawsuits. I mean, these are all things that the Democrats in the House and Senate, and for that matter, the Governor, are complaining about. How do you address that?
2: i I can't speak on their behalf. I can tell you that what we have done literally for years, because this isn't a this has been a primary issue for me for years. What we have literally done for years is looked at the issue, looked at the solution, what both the House, Uh, committee and the Senate committee has done is brought in the subject matter experts on the issue and said, bring us the solutions. Then these solutions were carved into this legislation. With respect to her complaints on many of these issues, I would tell her, look across the country. The rest of the country is doing many of the same things that she's complaining about, and still, and yet, all of their rates are significantly lower than ours. So, the complaints that she has are not our problem. Our problem is unlimited lifetime medical with no cost restrictions whatsoever. So when uh, one of the examples that were given in front of one of my committees is that there was a, a series of MRIs that were performed. The hospital accidentally billed the health insurance instead of billing the auto because they didn't realize it was an auto issue. They billed health insurance um, If the numbers aren't exact, forgive me, but they're very, very close, $2,666 for these MRIs. Then they realized it was auto, and then they billed auto $35,400 for exactly what happened. So same procedure, same process, everything. That was the difference in cost between health and auto. If you want to know why your auto insurance medical bills are so expensive, there you go. That's exactly why. These are the kinds of things that need to be solved. But what we're not looking at when people are busy making it a political issue, and I would argue that seems to be what's happening at the top when the goalposts are constantly moving, is we're missing the things like our seniors. I got a phone call from one of my senior residents and in January who was he was very, very upset. He had to sell his car because he was sitting down with his fixed income. He owned his car. He owned his home. He could afford his utilities. He could afford his food, but he had to make a choice between his medicine and his auto insurance. And he needed his medicine to live, but he told me he had to give up his freedom. He doesn't have any family and his freedom was his car and he had to sell that because he couldn't afford his auto insurance and he wasn't willing to break the law. He said he'd never been a lawbreaker before in his life and he wasn't about to start now. We should never do that to our residents and we are forcing them to be in this position. They should have a choice. We give them a choice in every other area of their lives, and we are taking that choice away from them in a single incident, and we don't need to do that. We can give them a choice here too, and this Senate bill did that, and the House bill did that, and we are going to resolve these subtle differences and send to the governor's desk a very, very real solution for Michigan citizens.
1: Lana Ty, state senator from the 22nd District. I wish we could keep going on this. There's so much more to talk about, but you have kind of uh, summed it up very concisely and uh, adroitly. And thank you very much for being our guest on The Political Insider.
2: Thank you. I appreciate the opportunity to be here.
0: You're listening to The Political Insider with Bill Ballinger on MTN. Here's Bill.
1: We are back, and we've got another great guest, Representative Robert Wittenberg. He is a Democrat from Huntington Woods. He used to be from Oak Park, but they're both in his district. It's the 27th State House District in southeastern Oakland County, and he's got, I believe, six cities and Royal Oak Township in the district beside the two communities i just mentioned he also represents berkeley and ferndale and hazel park and pleasant ridge is that correct representative wittenberg
3: that's correct yeah we have seven seven wonderful communities down in southeast oakland county uh actually i can do it real quick berkeley Huntington woods oak park ferndale pleasant ridge hazel park and royal oak township so those are the seven different communities
1: wow you rattle them off there um yeah just
3: don't ask me to do it backwards <laughs>
1: Okay, well, look, I'm going to ask you just first of all, very quickly, um, sure. about auto insurance rate reform and what the House did this week uh, following what the Senate did. Where are things right now? What do you think?
3: Well, I, you know, I, like, I think there were actually some decent things that they had in the bill. Um, but overall, there were a lot of questions. And I think the biggest question was why we would r- rush it through. Um, you know, there, we were given about 80-something pages that we had to look through Uh, and then vote on within a few hours. Uh, And this is a broad, sweeping change that we're doing to our state. And if we really want to uh, have lasting impact and and have everyone have their input, I don't think we should be doing it uh, at 2, voting on it at 2 in the morning. You know, like uh, any of our listeners, if you're given uh, papers to sign for a mortgage or something, and they say, here, take this right now. You have to to decide if you're going to do this right now. You'd be like, wait a second, I want to really look this over and vet it. Uh, So the process was really an issue. Um, You know, there's some policy questions as well that I have, um, but we weren't given the opportunity to really go through it. So I really hope that um, we're given the opportunity to really vet everything, go through it, and that it's also a a discussion where we're included. Because, you know, I've I've been on the insurance committee. I'm the minority vice chair of insurance this term. I know they, know, they, they brought together the select committee on auto insurance, um but i would like to have been part of that discussion and that negotiation so uh, i really hope that we're given that opportunity uh but but we need to address it we are our, our rates are too high we know that and so i look forward to hopefully being able to work with them to get everyone on the same page
1: okay let's switch gears here now uh earth week was uh or earth day anyway was last month i think but yeah uh, uh, to a certain extent because of that um You introduced legislation, I believe, uh, House Bill 4500, to repeal a public act, uh, 389, which was passed three years ago, 2016. Uh, It was enacted in response to Washington County preparing to enact a 10-cent fee on plastic and paper grocery bags, a policy that sought to incentivize grocery shoppers to transition toward environmentally friendly reusable bags. Um, you'd like to get rid of that and allow local communities to have the option to do that if they want to. Uh, what's going on here? Do you think you're going to get a hearing on this bill? Is there any chance uh, you could get it passed?
3: So I appreciate you, yeah, bringing that up. Um, so what happened was there was you know a as you said, Washington. They were looking uh, to put some kind of you know they wanted to regulate in some way, uh, and then at the state level, what was voted on was to. Take away local control. Um, so they wanted to either tax and regulate or ban. And then the state came in and, you know, what we voted on, obviously I was opposed to it, uh, was banning the banning. Uh, and then I, you know, came in just to repeal it. And the catchy phrase was banning the banning on banning plastic bags uh, in single-use containers. So it actually got a lot of, because uh, of the catchy title, it got a lot of traction even nationally. Um, but all we're doing really is saying this is about local control—that local communities should be able to decide how they want to regulate uh, and tax or ban okay. single-use containers. And so we actually did have a Republican who signed out to this, uh, Gary Howell, uh, who is the chair of uh, Natural Resources. So we were hoping it was going to get referred to that committee because if it would have, he um, he said he would bring it up for a hearing. So we're going to try to get it reassigned if possible. I don't know if that's going to, because, again, this was just passed with uh, all Republicans voting on it a couple years ago, and most of those Republicans are still in the legislature. So I don't know if the chances are good, but I want to continue having that conversation because, to me, it's most about local
1: control. I think each community knows what's best. Let's get to the issue itself, Uh, and that is uh, to get rid of plastic and, uh, for that matter, apparently get rid of paper, and go to reusable bags. Will you tell me what are reusable bags and why? what's going on here?
3: So those would be like the cloth bags that you get um, so that you could use them over and over again instead of single-use uh, plastic bags or any other bags, even paper bags, exactly, where you might only use them once and then get rid of them. Uh, we want people to be more mindful of what they're using and how it impacts the environment. So these reusable cloth bags, would be very helpful to really push. And, again, I'm not saying that banning is the only option. Taxing is a good idea as well. Let's say they do want to keep some plastic bags in case, you know, some people come through that forgot their bags. uh, To have even a tax just makes them think twice in case they want to take three bags for four items. You know, they don't need to do that. I want people to be mindful of how they are impacting the environment.
1: Well, give us some statistics about, you know, the impact of plastic. I mean, didn't the Rochester Institute of Technology find that 22 million pounds of plastic flow into the Great Lakes annually? Stuff like that's that. That's exactly
3: it. Yeah, yeah. So that's that's the same study that that we we saw. Uh, and then we you know we talk about even uh, Congresswoman Haley Stevens is having some uh, hearings on the impact. There's the the Great Pacific Garbage. I forget the the way it's phrased, but there is a a big mass of plastic in the Pacific Ocean that's twice the size of Texas. And so this is what we want to address. And so this is a way to address that. Is again to change people's thinking and their mindset as far as what they're going to use and how <coughs> excuse me and how they're going to use uh, plastic containers.
1: Well you know, the state of New York seems to have a completely different approach. They're actually considering legislation. This is a democratic governor. Uh, Andrew Cuomo and a Democratic-controlled state assembly and state senate in New York, of uh, mandating kind of like what you'd like to uh, see happen uh, in Washtenaw County, if Washington County could be allowed to do it statewide, they're actually trying to uh, mandate you know reusable bags and get rid of plastic and paper. Uh, from the state level, uh, the opposite of what we're doing here in Michigan. What about that? Do you think that is something that Michigan should look at?
3: I I I actually do love the idea, and I think we should. But ultimately what I'm trying to say is that it should be up to the locals, though. Um, I get where they're going, uh, and, and, you know, this is a real issue that we have to address. uh, And so I wouldn't be opposed to that. uh, But, again, I also want to be cognizant of, of our local communities and, and letting them decide what's best. If they want to outright ban, if they want to tax, uh, if they want to move in some other direction, I think it's our local communities that should decide. And that was part of the conversation I had with some of my colleagues: uh, is that it has to boil down to these local issues, and we can't come in as the state and again and say we know what's best for every single community in the state because what's going on down here in southeast Michigan isn't necessarily the same that's going on up in the upper peninsula or on the west side of the state, and then people on the coast, you know, on the, that might be on the lake. Um, so I personally would love to see each community able to make up their mind, because uh, that's what even Gary Howell, when I had that conversation with him, he said they would want to make that change in their community because he sees the plastic bags and the garbage everywhere throughout his community.
1: Yeah, You know, paper isn't as good as reusable bags, but it's a lot better than plastic, isn't it? I mean, I, I, when I go to the grocery store, I insist on paper bags. And I I always think, well, I'm being a little bit environmentally conscious, but you're saying even paper is a real problem, huh?
3: Yeah, paper can be as well. Uh, And so, and especially if you're not going to reuse it, if you're only going to use it one time, that can be an issue. So, you know, again, I want people to be more mindful.
1: But you think here locally, uh, I mean, at the state level, it's probably politically unlikely anything can happen.
3: Yeah, I would say so. I mean, listen, we want this conversation to be had, but I know the chances of the same legislators that voted on this a few years ago are still in the
1: legislature. Right. Listen, we could keep going on this. It's a great uh, subject for debate. Thank you so much, Representative Robert Wittenberg from Huntington Woods for there being here. You our got guest. it, Bill. Thank Always you. a pleasure speaking thank with you. you. Happy, uh, to ha- happy to be here with you. Thanks thank so much for talking. Thank you. To me. Bye-bye.
0: You're listening to The Political Insider with Bill Ballinger on MDN. Here's Bill.
1: We return and we've got Senator Dan Lowers, a Republican of Rockway, on the line. Uh, he represents the 25th Senate District. That is most of Michigan's thumb. That's Huron County, Sanilac County, Um uh, St. Clair County and the northeast corner of Macomb, if I'm correct. And uh, he is chair of the Environment and Technology Committee in the Senate. He's vice chair of insurance and banking, and he serves on four other committees. Senator Dan Lowers, thanks for being our guest.
4: It's my pleasure, Bill. Good morning.
1: Good morning. Uh, look, I want to ask you about horse racing and gambling and your role in that legislation. But first, I just want to ask you about this auto insurance rate reform bill that passed the Senate this week, and then the House passed its own version. And now you got to reconcile differences between the two, and the governor is hovering in the background <laughs> Uh, threatening a veto over either one of these bills, and I'm just kind of curious what your reaction to this whole situation is right now.
4: Well, I, you know, my reaction is this has is, uh, probably been the, the number one issue most most commonly brought up at, at every door on the campaign trail and every town hall meeting for the last six years, seven years now almost for me. And, and uh, you know, uh, families in Michigan are, are just at a point where – um auto insurance has become unaffordable and the the call for change has been been loud and been heard and 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 so really by you know introducing some more uh market forces similar to what we have in our life insurance policies and our home policies is really what we've done there is giving people choice to to uh, select the the level of insurance that they think is uh, most appropriate for their point in life and i'm i'm hopeful that uh, that will get this resolved i think the uh i think the house took uh, clear steps to accommodate the uh, governor's wishes uh by adding more flexibility and by uh, you know directing that uh, uh, terms described as as redlining or or inaccurate uh, measures being used to qualify a person's risk factor uh be addressed and so you know, i'm really hopeful that uh that we can gain the, the, the governor's support on the package because uh, people people want it and, and uh, they need it. I have I have uh, three young drivers in my family and seven vehicles, and so I've, I have a very vested interest in seeing this reform succeed.
1: Yeah, I, listen, I'd like to talk to you more about it, but I want to get to uh, the subject of horse racing and gambling in general. Uh, you've introduced a bill, as I understand it, Senate Bill 12, involving uh, – horse racing uh i think some people or most people in michigan know at this point that horse racing uh is in bad shape in michigan uh there's only one track left northville downs harness racing no thoroughbred racing going on in the state at all uh three dec- decades ago there were seven tracks in operation around michigan now it's down to one i know over in the house um uh, Representative Brant Iden has a big package on gaming, uh, which includes a lot of things, um, but included in it uh, is not only uh, attention to casino-style gaming, but other gaming options such as fantasy sports, charitable gaming, and horse racing. But you've got a standalone bill there that you've introduced, and maybe there's a Brant Iden-type uh copy of Senate bill that I'm unaware of that you can tell me about that covers more than just horse racing but what's going on here and what are the prospects for anything being done because twice in the last uh, five or six years the legislature passed a gambling uh, bill uh, including some stuff in it for horse racing and Governor Snyder vetoed both of them so we don't yeah. know what Governor Whitmer is going to do so what what's going on?
4: What, what's happening, and in, in you're your right on in your assessment there. Included in the uh, the package of what we refer to as i gaming, so it's you know using the internet, um, using your cell phones is really what it gets down to. Is a is a bill um, that Dr. Hank Wapel, um, House Representative, who's who's very is a veterinarian doctor, very experienced in horse racing, has been uh, included in that package. It's his bill, and and uh, and so we we are a part of that discussion, and and uh, Really, it amounts to uh, horse the the way people place bets today has moved from like the way people shop quite often from from going to the store and and, and buying your item to um, using your phone to, to search it out or your computer to search it out ahead of time and making that transaction and and that's what people are doing today in horse racing quite often they are. Uh, able to place their wager on their phone just using the convenience of their cell phone uh, as opposed to walking up to the the tote machine, as we call them, in the the horse tracks and and placing that bet. And that's really uh, probably the largest part of what has caused the demise of horse racing in our state. Um, uh, People like their convenience and and they're they're using it, but unfortunately in Michigan our laws do not allow that to happen. And so what happens is people are placing bets um, they're quite frankly not, not legal in the state, but they're placing bets, and, and the, the track is not benefiting. Uh, the horse is not benefiting the owners, the, the, the people who support that industry with the hay and the straw, and, and, the, and the guys who muck out the stalls. Uh, so we're just trying to catch up to the technology with this package and and allow uh, people to legally place their bets on horses on horse racing uh, within our state uh, using using their cell phone or using a
1: computer. If you legalized um, Internet uh, cell phone betting, uh, how much do you think it would increase the so-called handle um, for horse racing in Michigan? I mean, how much could legally be recognized uh, by comparison to what's being bet on horses now in Michigan?
4: Well, what we're seeing from other states that have already uh, taken this step is it's hundreds of millions. So it's it's really... Uh... It's a huge opportunity, and it's really the the single best opportunity for maintaining horse racing in our state. As you said, we're down to one track, and, and that track even has an option to to be uh, sold at this point, uh, pending. So, um, it it you know the the passage of of these measures is probably um, going to determine whether we continue to have horse racing in our state or not. It's, it's that simple.
1: Was there anything in the uh, gambling legislation that passed late last year that Governor Snyder vetoed more for horse racing beyond uh, cell phone betting? Was there anything more in there for horse
4: racing? No, that that was all was limited to, and and actually, you know, we understand that that uh, uh, the only reason it was vetoed it had had to deal with uh, some of the the internet gaming provisions for casino style uh, betting, not not. Uh, was not a, really related to the horse uh, betting part of it, uh, but because of a tie bar, uh, when one went down, our, our horse bill uh, was rejected as well. So um, I think that uh, uh, Chairman Iden has been working hard with the casino and, and with the with the governor's office uh, to make sure that they've got uh, those issues resolved. And if that is the case, then uh, I think the support is there. The the consternation at this point is really over. Um, taxes, and in particular, um, lottery, Michigan Lottery, which which operates through uh, cell phones and internet internet style uh, uh, lottery participation, um, is concerned that uh, that they may uh, see a, a decrease in the amount of lottery uh, wagers, I guess, if you will, um, because of this. And so that's that's the holdup at this point in their. We're working hard to, to resolve that so that we don't see a, a negative response to the school aid fund, which benefits uh, directly from from the uh, money that is transacted for lottery.
1: Do you see your bill getting a hearing soon? And do you think the prospects for either this bill or maybe Representative Vaupel's bill over in the House going somewhere in this session?
4: Absolutely, absolutely. I think we are we are weeks away. Um, I think we've got a, a early June. Uh, target right now for resolution of the of the uh, impact of school aid fund um, on the iGaming bills. Once that's resolved, I, I, I think we'll see the House uh, turn that package out. And uh, once that happens, we'll we'll take it uh, take it right up in the Senate because uh, timeline-wise here, um, you know, we need to get this package done before you know by by early fall, late summer. In order for plans to be made uh, for the coming horse racing season.
1: In other words, if the House package uh, passed and came over to the Senate, it would include the substance of your bill, Senate Bill 12, in it for horse racing, and you'd be satisfied with having that pass instead of Senate Bill 12 if it came to that.
4: Absolutely, my my goal is is not to not to own this bill, if you will, as as much as it is to provide the opportunities that are that Michigan horse racing needs to to come back and, 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 you know, flourish in our state.
1: Yeah. Well, listen, I wish we could talk some more about this, but good luck to you because horse racing definitely needs some help in Michigan. It's uh, been beaten down to almost nothing, one track left and you're the savior riding to the rescue. Senator (laughs) Dan (laughs) Lowers. let's,
4: Let's hope for success.
1: Absolutely. Thank you very much.
4: Thank you, Bill.